0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Diaspora Collective podcast. My name is Abba and today I am joined by... Mel,
1: Dominique and Delali.
0: So during this episode we will be discussing identity, a little bit about ourselves and how we identify, what is to call multiple places home, labels such as BAME, POC and BIPOC and intersectionality.
2: Yeah, who wants to go first? Who wants to talk about the way that they identify and... Uh, yeah just identity really.
1: <laughs> uh, so hi guys it's me and Sulali. Um, I mean I th- th- I think we were going to talk more about like racial identity and I think my identity but mm-hmm. I mean my pronouns are she and her uh, for anyone who is interested in that aspect um, but I guess for me I remember when we recorded last week I was like oh well not last week but before I was like oh I'm second generation um, from Ghana and then I actually deeped it and I was like no I'm third gen um, so my grandparents moved here I think like mid 1950s from Ghana lived here for a while had my mum here and then lived here until my mum was five moved back to Ghana my mum went to university there she moved back here um, and then had me Um, And my dad was also born here. So I guess that makes me third gen, which is quite crazy to think about. Mm. Um, And I think that's actually what complicates things a little bit for me. Because I was speaking to my mum and she's talking about that movement of being born here, but then going back to Ghana and like living most of her early years there, Mm. despite the fact that she's like, British in terms of where she was born she really didn't identify as that Mm -hmm. um and I guess that's why I like always miss out that middle part that actually generationally my family have done like a lot of migration to the UK and from Ghana um and then we moved back to Ghana as well when I was younger so I lived there for five years when I was three to when I was about eight um and I remember like moving back to the UK um and being in Ghana had formed so much of, like, who I was, like, I think I completely forgot that I was born here, like, nothing, like, nothing really resonated with me, Um, and my mum remembers that, like, I went, she took me around schools, looking for schools, um, and I was like, mum, I want to speak like these kids, and she literally was, like, like, the next day it just switched. Like, honestly, all of that, like, (laughs) Kamasi accent, everything was gone. Like, literally just disappeared. Um, But I think for me, I kind of find that a bit mad because if you ask me now, despite all of that movement, I think I feel a deeper connection to being from Ghana um, and to being from Africa than I do to the UK a lot of the time when I speak to people, that's probably the place that I will bring up first, despite kind of being British um, so deeply, like if you go a few generations back and growing up here.
3: Um, I identify as both black and mixed race. My dad is white and my mum's black. Um, I mean, I definitely feel connected more to my black side, but I think that's maybe because you can see it more. I'm more, I don't know, I feel like it's the first thing that you would notice. But, and also I think growing up as well, I didn't go to a particularly diverse school. So I was always like the black one or the mixed race one in my friendship group. So I definitely think that kind of had like an impact on me on like which side I kind of felt more connected to. Um, Also, I think as well, like it's a lot of it depends on your parents, such as my mum. She is from Jamaica. But I feel, and my dad's from Ireland, but he isn't necessarily that connected to Mm. his Irish side. Like, I've only been there, like, once, twice. You know, I haven't really had much of the food that much. I don't feel like it's brought up that much in conversation compared to, like, Jamaica, really. So I think that's a big kind of impact. And also, I think as well, like, the term mixed race in itself, like, is, I wouldn't say problematic. It's inherently problematic, it's it's a difficult thing as well because like being mixed race and black I feel like as well if I say I'm mixed race I'm like pushing away my black side Mm -hmm. which like doesn't even to me make sense but then I don't want people to think I'm ashamed of being half black Mm -hmm. and also like I think as well as being mixed race you're held up as like I don't know like an emblem of like a post-racial society like this could work Mm -hmm. there's kids that can like be both Mm -hmm. and be happy when in reality like the concept of whiteness even though I am half white is exclu- like it's based on exclusion mm. you're either white or you're not mm. so mm. for some people they would just view me as black or they would just view me like you know that's it mm-hmm. so I don't know and even like, I was thinking about this more obviously in the lead up to this podcast and I was thinking about like whenever I've said like what are you and if I've said mixed race and I remember even like a colleague who was black she like laughed when I said mixed race because mm-hmm. she's from Bermuda and she was like well over there you'd be mm-hmm. black which I completely get mm-hmm. so yeah. I don't know it's kind of difficult like I definitely as both but I definitely feel more connected to my black identity
2: mm-hmm. 100% I think there's like two things that <clears throat> things that I really pick up from like what you're saying can really I suppose like I mean it really resonates with me basically like I find the term mixed race really problematic I think when Mm -hmm. you're thinking about race like race is a social construct like and although it is a social construct um it has really real consequences for the people who are oppressed Mm -hmm. by like um racism Mm
0: -hmm. um
2: that being said like ethnicity and like heritage are two very similar concepts but same same but different like ethnicity is like your roots like your um kind of like ancestral lineage or maybe that's the way that I conceptualize it um and then also you picked up on this like you know if, if you went to Bermuda like you would be viewed as as black I think that's really similar to um I suppose my experience Um, Being from South Africa, because like my family were classified coloured during the apartheid. Um, I feel like a lot of people are going to wince at that word because it's been so um, like it's been made so taboo here. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. over there, it's just Mm -hmm. like an analytical market. It's the same, as saying mixed race. Mm -hmm. But the difference between colouredness, quote quote unquote, um, and mixed race is that like you said, Mel, you've got like a white dad and a black mum. Like my mum's mum is coloured. My mum's mum's mum is coloured. Like the the like I suppose racial mixing or ethnic mixing goes back so far that you there's this whole group of people that don't actually know anything or very, very little about their heritage yeah. and their ancestry. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um myself included in terms of the way that i identify i identify as south african i identify as black um british south african various different things um as i mentioned before obviously i was born there and lived there till i was eight and then came here and obviously assimilated like I don't really have an accent anymore I can't speak Afrikaans I can understand it but there is that kind of disconnect mm-hmm. I suppose between like myself can't speak the language so you really you really yeah
0: no, I definitely I agree so much with what you say Dom in terms of when you say about like lo- knowing the language like I <laughs> don't know mm. Fanti Tree like I think I know like very little and I'm really making the effort to say, but um, yeah, it really is. But I think it's, I think it's really funny how as a kid, it's not, it's not almost seen as a big deal. Like you don't really see it as a mm-hmm. big deal. Let me just rewind a little bit. So I'm second generation. My parents were born in Ghana and then they moved. Yeah, my home. sister. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, yay! My um, my parents moved here actually when they were quite young. My dad moved here when he was 22. So he's actually been in England longer than he's been in Ghana. But he's very much an African mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. He's very much so. <laughs> and my mum moved here, you know, not shortly, um, shortly after when they got married. And both my brother and I mm. were born here and i wouldn't say as a kid when you grow up it's like you're ashamed of your mm. blackness i just think it's one of those things where when you're in an environment that is majority mm-hmm. white like mm-hmm. white yeah. that's just what you're so 100 so you don't like understand the area- yeah exactly like the areas we lived in the schools that we went to um we were probably one of a handful of mm. black people and it wasn't and I think as a kid, you don't naturally see yourself as different, and I definitely believe in that whole thing that kids are not born racist. Like you're actually taught from your (laughs) environment, because because you I didn't look at like a white child and think, oh my gosh, we're so different because I'm black and you're white. Like it's just not something in the forefront Mm -hmm. in your head, and it's not until you get older that you really start to realize these differences and I actually remember like um, Del and I went to the same secondary school and our friendship group it wasn't even just like all black people or all white people like we were very multicultural and it wasn't a case of like our friends made us feel any differently because we were black or they felt differently because they were another race I just think it's like as you get older you start to realize these things like people would say stuff like oh where are you from yeah and yeah. actually, I'm just thinking like, Hey, <laughs> bruv. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, and then, like, you know, a lot of people, We, well, I think we've all experienced it when people are like, but where are you really from? And I'm like, again, Kent, like, is that what you want to say? Is that what you want to know? But like I understand when people are asking like where are you really from and I think as a kid as I grew up I found it hard in a way to say that I'm from Ghana because it's like I didn't necessarily have that mm. tie there like I had my parents you know we know the culture you know <clears throat> we're brought up in that culture but it's like at home you're one culture and then when you leave the house and you're in school you're mm. different or not that you're different or like you almost don't it's like you're not really kind of you just you know navigate the I world like you Kind different. of know what I mean yeah like very differently so you know, I'd always I'd always be like, um I think it wasn't until maybe like halfway through secondary school I really understood the idea of like kind of ethnicity and nationality. Because I used to get them mm. so mixed up. Just because it's like when you ask your parents where you're from, they say you're from Ghana, and then when people are like, Oh no, but you're born here, so you're actually mm. from England. And then, you know, but um I definitely think that as I've gone older, you start to really appreciate your culture more. Um and I've said this to a lot of my friends, to my parents as well, that' Um, and even I remember like aunts and uncles have said to me is like how come when you guys get older that's when you start to appreciate kind of where you're from and I just think it's like as you get older you start to really you want to learn, you want to understand, you want to know why things are done a certain way, why do we believe these certain cultural traditions um, as you get older so yeah Del did you want to add on? Yeah I think like so particularly for
1: the ones of us who have like migrated talking about like when I was young, me wanting to lose my accent, I was so young and I don't even know where that came from. That wasn't like a conversation that my mum had with me or like it wasn't like the day that I went there. Kids were picking on me and I automatically decided like that's a decision I made myself. And I think that just shows like how subconscious a lot of the othering is that makes us feel like we need to assimilate when we come here or when we're in different groups where we're like the minority, especially around white people. Um, and... I think when you get older you realize just how much of that assimilation you've done so like even with things like language let's talk about language I, I was the other day I was deeping it so there's so many different languages in Ghana and um, my parents speak about four and I can kind of speak three, and I can understand others and I just thought like you know, and this is going to sound so weird, but you know when you learn languages in school, right? you are talk, like, French, mm. German, mm. all of those languages mm. are, like, so yeah. cool to learn. Um, and do you know what I mean? And I was, like, I never viewed those languages as, like, cool or, like, necessary in terms of how important they are for speaking to other people. You learn that, like, French is a really mm. good language for you to learn because so many speak it. But the reason so many people speak it is because of colonialism. It's not because of, like, do you know what I mean? Mm. Like so I think it's really interesting like how we arrive to those conclusions that like I need to assimilate I need to kind of push these parts of me back um like this part isn't cool it's not cool to like have a really strong tie to Africa if you've moved to Britain you know Mm -hmm. um and I know we all still do it like with code switching like with my name um so I was literally called Dalali all up until secondary school Um, and then I feel like it was probably around like uni time so I went to university up north and there was not around a lot of black people like around at all when I moved into halls there was like one other black person everybody else was white and I was just like I just kind of felt you know what it'll be easier if I shorten my name here it'll be easier if people call me Del and then like that's it so for about three or four Mm. years I would literally tell people that was my name and then i think like when i graduated and i came home i kind of had like um i had like an epiphany of like why i did that and i was like it wasn't for me Mm. i didn't do it for me i didn't do it because that's how i like Mm. to be called and i know like we like it's fine if people do it to me out of a place of fondness um but i realized that me telling people that was my name was because I was assimilating. Um, so I made a conscious mm. effort, like when I changed jobs and stuff, I was like, nope, you're gonna get Delali, whether you struggle, whether you, you know, whether you start, <laughs> that's what you're <laughs> gonna get. And that's what you're gonna call me because it's a beautiful Ghanaian name. I love it. Mm. And that's how it is. Yeah. So I think ABBA is right. We kind of like, for me personally, I think I've had more of a, of a journey of like trying to get back to that part of my identity because I feel like I went through a really long time of kind of shunning it for the sake of it being easier to to assimilate. Yeah.
0: yeah. Mm. Guys, I have a quick question for everyone um, before we move on to the next part. Do you think that, because um, all of our surnames, they don't Lord
2: have mercy. Either
0: help I think but you know they don't necessarily people can't necessarily tell where we're from based on our Mm. surname and do you think that kind of plays a part because I know that if I'm just gonna expose myself not that it's anything to expose but like I know when Delilah was talking about like jobs and stuff um, and like the names that you use and you know my dad was telling me how when he used to apply for jobs people would see his first name and just be like nah yeah because you know that happens my brother and I both have very English first names. So then it's like I could I could introduce myself as Carol Beacham and nobody would think otherwise. And I've had it before where I've gone to a job interview <laughs> and they were like, they're like Carol. They're like Carol Beacham. I'm like, yes. And they're like <laughs>
1: That double look like
0: <laughs> oh yeah, and I'm just like, and I, and I always, I always used to think about like, why is that such a big deal? And I always used to remember people would say to me, "You don't have a very African name." Yeah,
2: because like, you don't know the whole of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. And I was just like, kind of thinking, about what your guys' opinion in that type of thing in terms of like your identity, and do you sort feel? Of, because I remember at one point I used to think, like, oh, why don't I have a proper Ghanaian surname? You know, people need to know well. <laughs> I
3: mean, for me, my name sounds white, like through and through, like Melissa Elizabeth McGrand, Yeah, I'm giving up my government name. <laughs> <laughs> your NI, is your national insurance is about to be abused and accessed. <laughs> but for me, I've definitely experienced that double look. And that like second guess or like what's your like real name is that like yes. your, like this is my real name like I don't know I just feel like I completely understand where you're coming from but then at the same time I'm like would I prefer to have made more of a traditional Jamaican name but then I don't actually know what they even are because yeah. it's so difficult. It's, just, it's so difficult and also like colonialism like a lot of the like West Indian or like Caribbean second names are like Smith, mm. like I don't mm-hmm. know things like that. Anyway, so like the Caribbean sense or like in Jamaica, a lot of them aren't really. Mm. It's not the same. in like the African context. I feel yeah. Well, if you compare the two, yeah.
1: I mean, I remember when I started my first job. I remember this woman went to me. I saw your name and I thought you were going to be Indian, and I was like, All right. <laughs> what do you want me to do with that information like what am I actually supposed to say back to that I I think people need to move away from that like whole you can imagine what somebody looks like or where they're from from their name because why does that even matter like why do you need to do that assessment in the first place
2: Mm. yeah that's um I mean you guys know I had a particular experience (laughs) literally (laughs) yesterday um uh, yeah I was speaking to a client I'm just going to go ahead and say it I was speaking to a client at the end of the call like it was going so well and at the end of the call he's like um so like your name where's it from and I was like oh god here we go <laughs> so then obviously I did the whole spiel and um so like my last name just for context, like isn't actually what my last name's meant to be? like we think that it's meant to be my dad's like great 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 granddad's first name, and my last name should actually be Pelé. um my dad's family um so basically in South Africa, because of apartheid, loads of different people were like split according to like race um so my dad lived in Durban. And that was like a predominantly Indian area, whereas like my mum was from Cape Town, which is like predominantly um, like white and coloured. And yeah, so like I've got that heritage, which is weird because like I don't, I don't like it doesn't really resonate with me all that much. Like because I grew up around my mum's family. So I know like those, like that heritage and like the cooking style, cuisine, language, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the man goes, um, yeah, your name, like, it's exotic. Like, where God. are you, like, from kind of thing. And I was just like, how? Why? Okay.
1: Where if the there was a the word? word, oh,
2: God. Where if
1: there the- was a beef word exotic? I could beef, it would be exotic. <laughs> like, please. I <laughs> cannot stand it.
2: I just didn't really understand because I was like, this is not appropriate like this is not an appropriate conversation to have like whether it's at work or not like there's a certain level of familiarity and like amicableness that is associated with this conversation this is the first time I've ever spoken to this guy and you want to come to me saying that my name Hmm. sounds exotic so where am I from how is that even like allowed to happen in a professional setting like why does it matter
1: and why are you privy to that information just log off the zoom chat and call it a day like are we not done (laughs) with what we said we were going to talk about in this (laughs) meeting like yeah i just hate the word exotic so much like guys please don't ever talk to anybody who is non-white and call them exotic it's so rude and i just don't think people deep the history like we were put in like you know like Cages for people to like stare at us because we were deemed exotic. There's so much like, yeah, dangerous like sexuality within the word exotic, mm. you know what I mean? It's just like, please don't do it and (laughs) Mel and I were laughing because we were like if he goes I don't know to Central Africa people are going to say to him (laughs) your name's exotic do you know what I mean ask someone Mm. in Africa if they've ever heard like somebody called Billy before they'll be like Billy what (laughs) like you know (laughs) it it depends on where you are like people are just so used to everything being built around like western names and like Mm. do you know what I mean and western identities and everything else that isn't it is weird but it's not like you guys just place if, if you place yourself in the center then of course everything else will seem strange to you um yeah we've got to stop doing that it's not it's not on it's
2: not it
3: well people just like to pitch and hold others don't they really yeah and that's just like a quick route to be like oh she's not from here kind of thing straight away
2: definitely I I feel like very sensitive towards comments like that and I think Mm -hmm. maybe even overly sensitive but it's like after so many years of like that how could you not be?
1: Talking about like pigeonholing people um how do we feel, there's been a lot at the moment kind of commentary on terms like BAME, on terms like BIPOC and People of Colour POC. Um, And yeah, how do we feel about those terms in terms of the ways that we've discussed, like we identify um, when it comes to our race and our ethnicity?
2: None of us said People of Colour or BAME. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know
1: what, that's such a good point because this is the first thing I have to say about BAME and people of colour and, and BIPOC. I don't think if you ever spoke to anybody who fits in those categories and you ask them identify themselves, 99.9% I guarantee will not say BAME. I can't think of a time somebody has ever said yeah. to me, how do you identify? And I've said BAME. I do not relate to that term mm. at all. Mm. Like, And growing up, I never heard that word until I started working in public sector, do you know what I mean? And around policy and stuff. I was like, what is this thing? Like everybody keeps talking about, like saying that we're BAME, we're BAME. Like I've never, I've never related to that term. That doesn't describe me in any shape or form. And I think it's Mm. so, that says it, the fact that all four of us sat here, spoke about how we identify, we would all fit
2: under the BAME
1: category, yet none of us relate to it.
2: Just for, for context, I think we should really talk about what BAME actually means. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. Black, Asian and minority ethnicities. This actually includes, like, Western European... Like, right. Or so... Eastern, Eastern European, <coughs> sorry. Eastern European yeah. Um, Definitely. Uh, ethnicities. And yeah. The... the issue, I think, with BAME is the same issue that I have with the term colouredness, although they're slightly different and have been used differently and have a different historical context. These are labels that are created by the government to describe non-whiteness in a way that homogenizes mm. all of the different cultures all of the flavorful mm. um like, the, flavor identity, <laughs> the, the flavorful identities all of these beautiful individual and unique tribes cultures ethnicities heritages identities and it just flattens it and i think that's the word that comes to mind or mm. like that I read all the time when I read articles about what fame is, it's like this flattens all of these different identities makes it one thing and it's not like all of these different people have different experiences different uh, different relationships to or different experiences of race sorry not relationships to race but I suppose that as well um, and it just completely takes that away
1: definitely like so according to the government if you actually look at who fits under BAME. The list is Arab Arab people or Arabic people, asylum seekers and refugees, Asian or Asian British people, black in brackets African, African Caribbean or black British people, Chinese people, Irish people, bracket white other, people of mixed heritage, travellers and gypsies like that is literally <laughs> that is a pick and mix that is like that is literally you've gone yeah. to willco you've done pick and mix of all the sweets you put them all into one bag and then you bang them under one category that's so many different people and i think like what dom picked on as well it's messy because it mixes up race and ethnicity you've got people in there under mm, racial yeah. categories you've got mm. people under there under eth- ethnic categories like that doesn't make yeah. sense you know like how do you like mel you could identify as black or black British or people of mixed heritage like it doesn't talk about like the nuances of the experiences of all of these different people Mm. yeah Mm. to me it's just crazy because I didn't realize how broad like we've always known like BAME is a broad term just from the black Asian or minority ethnic but when you really get into it it's so many different people and I don't yeah to me it just doesn't make sense that you could homogenize all of that under one term and bring everybody Mm. Of those people into one experience of race or ethnicity.
3: I was just going to say that it. I feel like it undercuts like intersectionality as well. Like completely, like the discrimination that we face as Black women is completely different to the discrimination that, let's say, a white traveller would face, or like Mm. didn't even say Irish people. Yeah, not Mm. even. I Mm -hmm. think even. But Mm. then, like that is completely different to what we would face ourselves i don't know i just feel like it completely just minimizes our struggle as individuals and also like as part of i don't know a group of white women of black women i just i like i can i can see where they're coming from in the fact they want everyone to be equal but as well like if you're saying we've got 50 workers that are bame, but then actually like all of them are white what does that say oh my god
1: you know they did that with them um, so the pull up or shut up campaign um, you know when they were trying to get brands to to share like all of these brands that are posted in um like the
3: that Tuesday yeah, yeah exactly yeah. people
1: were like okay great like why don't you release your stats of your staff so we can see how many black people you actually hire give me the receipt <laughs> and so many of the so many of the companies were like um I don't know eighty five percent white um fourteen percent people of color. Um, 2% of other, that maths is shocking, and I know for a fact that doesn't add up to 100%, but you know what I mean, um, and people were like, no, tell us how many of your staff are actually black, by saying people of colour, you could have anybody in there, you mm. could have somebody who's Mexican, you could have somebody that's South Asian, Southeast Asian, mm. but we're asking you how many people are black, like black um blackity black black. (laughs) and i think it can be it can be used to kind of to to cover up what they're actually doing in terms of supporting specific communities because governments do a lot in reports they'll say oh we allocate this amount of spaces to bane people and then it's like well of those bane people who many of those people are black like who many of those people are southeast asian and it just allows them to get away from actually doing the the work and being specific um and yeah I think it's just it does it does allow people to kind of move away from creating concrete efforts to specific communities like Matt Hancock did it with the cabinet oh
2: my god I was gonna say how many people are black and he he was was like like, well (laughs) this is the most diverse cabinet I've ever been a part on okay how many people are black well you know we've got pretty Patel and okay how many people are black it's just like bro do you not get it
1: And I think the second part of it is like some people do it when they don't. I don't know. like I just want to say black is not a slur. Do you know? sometimes you'll be having conversations with yeah. people and they're like, and they're like, oh, they're um. They're, 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 they're a minority. You, can't, you can say somebody is black, you know, like that is actually not a slur. Mm. Like nothing is, the world is not going to fall apart if you are specific with your language. Mm. So yeah.
2: A lot of people are really reluctant to like they're acknowledge so blackness and it's like, oh, I don't see colour. And it's like, okay, the issue that I have with this is that you're not blind. Like <laughs> nine times out of 10, like I don't know any <laughs> blind people. So when I'm interacting with someone and they tell me they don't see my colour, it's offensive to me because I see my colour and the way, like, my blackness, my ethnicity, like, my race, my, like, heritage, it does affect the way that I navigate through life um, as a black person, as a black woman. So, yeah, I see my colour. It's not offensive to me that you do. It would be offensive to me if you discriminated like against me or was acted in a discriminatory way towards me because of my colour, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist.
1: No. And I mean like race is complicated. Identities are complicated. So I think Mm. people can be lazy and like terms like fame or people of colour and stuff like that like they want simplifications for those experiences, but they're not simple experiences. Mm. They are nuanced. Like they're so, like even the term Asian, like I remember growing up in school and we talked about Asian people and it wasn't until I like started studying and stuff. The term Asian, are you talking about people who are from Thailand? Are you talking about people who are from China? Are you talking mm. about people who are from India? You know, are you talking about people who are from some parts of Russia? Like that's so many people um, and I think we just need to accept that you you can't be lazy when it comes to people's identities mm. like people are people should have the respect of you doing the work to understand how they identify how they want to be um, be termed and understanding that they have a completely different experience to some people you automatically lump them in the same category with So but go ahead
0: Abba um, but yeah, no, I completely agree with what you're all saying, and I think we were all saying it a few days ago when we thought about the topic to speak about. And actually, I had a friend who did, um, an not an Insta live but one of the, like an Insta story on why she doesn't like these terms. And she actually said a really, um, important point that all these ethnicities they all have different needs, and to put them all into one bracket is almost like saying they all just need the same mm. need, and it's not that ca- it's not the case, like you all said we all experience different issues day to day and the needs that we need whether it be like in workplaces or kind of just like in everyday experiences it shouldn't be just put into one bracket because and then you also have that issue of even within that bracket there may even be racism between those brackets as well so it's like you putting us all in one it makes us out as if like okay we're all like all non-whites are on one side all whites are on another side but then that's not the case because some people who are the non-whites, you can see racism mm. that have in mm-hmm. between. So, you know, I think, like you said, it's just an easier way to pass all into one bracket. And I feel, and I do feel like some people, you know, it's easier to say "bame" because it's just, it's just <laughs> they all refer to each other when they're trying to refer to, you know, a bigger group of people. But I think. Just be wary of what you mean when you do say
3: it and what be context specific, are you using it in. Uh, be so specific.
0: Yeah. There's very few yeah. opportunity.
1: Like, I think there's very few, like, actual examples when you're talking about an issue and you're talking about bane people, that that issue isn't mm-hmm. specifically related to somebody under that category. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. often there is a specific group that you are referring to within that so yeah. just yeah. refer to that specific group like i get it mm-hmm. on like a wider scale for talking about policy or whatever but i'm talking the broadest of broadest of broadest of terms it works for mm-hmm. really when you get into issues around social mobility or around healthcare or like covid there is a breakdown within that. And you will find mm. that actually, you know, the experience of a black person in healthcare compared to experience of like an Asian person in healthcare is so different. There is a hierarchy and yet you're going to put them in the same bracket to talk about their experience. So, yeah, like Dom said, like, just be specific. Whoever it is you're talking about, just say it. Like,
2: I think this relates to a larger... Um issue with language and how it's really difficult to speak about certain identities and like have the language to really articulate certain experiences so Abby, you said like white white people and non-white people like the issue with the term non-white is that Mm -hmm. whiteness is still at the center of that um like it's still the the default the the sort of standard and like those are implicit nuances within language that people don't really think about when they actually say things like that like Mm -hmm. for example like what we were talking about like slave versus slaves versus enslaved people like there's a difference there there's a level of accountability there there's nuance in those uh, in in those two terms um one one which acknowledges that people were kidnapped and um forced into in uh, human trafficked and then forced into forced labor um and the other which just assumes that slavery is synonymous with specific race um so yeah i think it mm. just speaks to like this border like um issue or like lack i suppose when it comes to language
1: i think that's the same <laughs> with people of color and like why i just i like people of color as well, to me, is like rooted in too much history. Like it is too similar to the word "colored" for me to mm-hmm. feel like it's not a violent term. Um, but yeah, it's that you know, people of color sentence centers white people. You have white people, and then you have people of color, and it then whiteness yeah. is the defining characteristic for you Mm. to categorize all those other people rather than categorizing them by themselves and the way that they identify um and then within that there is a hierarchy of skin color do you know what I mean like the colorism runs through it like it's it's really complicated um so yeah I think removing the lens of whiteness when you look at people of races and you talk about them is actually the first step to finding proactive and helpful language for you to speak about them. But I think very often, why don't you speak to the person like, and ask them how they identify? Mm. That's such an yeah. important step rather than you, you know, from your position, categorizing people, which is how we got to BAME because mm. BAME was not created by black people. It was created by white people in government. And that's how we've kind of got to this situation.
2: What do you think about BIPOC? Because I know that's more US kind of rooted in US because it's um, black and indigenous people of colour. That's so messy. I don't know about that. You know, the experience between blackness, I suppose, like not heritage, but like an ancestor, like ancestors that were enslaved versus the indigenous experience. I mean, both groups are still obviously heavily marginalized, oppressed. Like, there's so much violence that goes on against both of those groups, but in different ways. How can you lump that together as one thing? Like, include like I mean, I suppose they're both in 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 the border categories of, of genocide, in a way. When you really deep it, but isn't that just mad? like I, th- I think it's crazy because
1: like indigenous people the type of racism that they've suffered is there are a crossover but it's so different um and like Dom and I were talking about this like with environmental racism and how much of that like indigenous people have suffered and they still suffer today um like even with like Mark Zuckerberg and like Hawaii like trying to basically sue like indigenous people in hawaii for land that is sacred to them based on their culture so we can go and put his like 11th mansion there um which is nuts and do you guys remember all of the pipeline stuff that happened like a few years ago um yeah. where there's so much sacred land that corporations are which always trying to buy always trying to build on putting stuff in water so that they you know they get sick and then they have to move and stuff and I think that is a whole structural like issue mm. in itself that is, is is it's not exclusive to that group but they are the bulk of the victims of that and then you know when we talk about like slavery and ancestry and like being severed from your ancest mm. ancestry like African-Americans deal with that violence so deeply, mm. like they're completely severed from their ties. They have no idea how to trace themselves back, how to mm. get back. And that is really horrible and impactful on your identity. And I think we were talking about with Beyonce, like people getting annoyed with Beyonce, because she was like, why is she was using Yoruba? Like, do you know what I mean? Like she's not, she's not <laughs> Nigerian, why is she co-opting mm. the language? And I was like, no, like even as black people, like, I know that I'm really lucky to know mm. how far my far my lineage goes back and it goes back to Ghana. And I'm really lucky to find to know where my great grandparents and their their parents and stuff mm. lived. I can't imagine what it's like to have that completely removed from you. Mm. Of yeah. course, you would make any efforts you can to re- relate to a part of African heritage when that's been completely stolen from you um, and ripped from you. So I do think these terms, like it just yeah, it just homogenises the suffering and as and from the suffering the the specific work that needs to be done to help those communities. And I think that's why we talk about equity, not just equality. Mm-hmm. There are specific things mm-hmm. people, specific people need. And you have to be able to to be really to like get into the details of what that is. Um, and speaking about structural racism, I wanted to ask you guys a question. Um, about like what do you think the end goal is with all of these terms because I was speaking to my mum and we were talking about race and stuff and she was like okay like I've always known I was black but growing up in Africa like Everyone's I was black. just African yeah. like I was just yeah. African it wasn't until I moved to Britain that I realized I'm not just Ghanaian or African I'm black and like black by somebody else's terms. Mm. Um, and I read a quote that, w- that says, um, if you have a minor- minority position in society, more often than not you're racialized before you're allowed access to your ethnic identity. Um, and mm-hmm. that's what happens for a lot of immigrants who go to the United States or the UK and suddenly realize while they're in their home countries, they were Senegalese, Kenyan or Nigerian, then they come to the US and the UK and they're black um even with a chosen identity race is always lurking in the background mm. and I thought that was just like a really good picture for how complicated these these like structures are um and I wondered like is our end goal to get to a place where you know we don't have to categorize people um and people can just be people or do you feel like it's always going to be important for us to have to break down and specify um according to things like
0: race and according to things like ethnicity yeah but I I definitely think that in terms of like identity and trying to break these stereotypes it always starts with ourselves like we need to really like learn about like where we come from and like not because we need to do it to break a certain stereotype but for ourselves as well because like you said Del um we're we are in a position where we are able to trace our lineage. We can learn from our parents, grandparents, um, cousins, aunts, uncles, like learn a lot about where we come from. And some people, they don't have mm-hmm. that opportunity. So then it's almost like we need to know it for ourselves, not because we need to prove our point to other people. And then I think in terms of in the long term, it will be, I think it'll be hard because in order to do that, it's like you then have to educate other people about it, about like where you're from, about how you identify and why these things, why we don't appreciate certain acronyms and what, how that doesn't do anything for us type thing. Um, but yeah, I don't feel like I answered the question. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. What do you guys think in terms of like the long-term goal?
2: Just don't say BAME.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um... Maybe that is, and that is what it is just to be to know that just race and identity is nuanced you've got to be specific it changes from person to
2: person and this is like, where intersectionality comes in
1: it does and like it's very important um melissa what's your feeling on like the end goal situation with like racial identity and ethnic identities and stuff
3: is it bad to say i don't know because no I- I don't I don't know because like oh. but then because I feel like kind of conflict is because I know one of the terms that I use to identify as myself is problematic does that make sense mm. so I feel like I'm almost adhering to or like
2: perpetuating, mm. Yeah, mm. Mm-hmm. perpetuating like
3: yeah. the upholding of whiteness and you know like I don't know. It is
1: difficult because like we've even used we've used the term BAME before but
3: it's for the it's
1: for Mm. the lack of better language Mm. that has been created Mm. by us or Mm. like for us Mm. like you know like I don't want to use terms like people of colour but when I talk about racism I know racism is felt across anybody who isn't Mm. white and then I'm back centering whiteness um, and I think it emphasizes how much of that language wasn't created by us that we don't know. We don't know what to use, we don't know how to refer to to communities in a way that emphasizes solidarity but doesn't like homogenize. As, yeah, it doesn't homogenize and flatten experiences like Dom said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have the we not
3: I don't I, have the answers. I answer way. got any of the answers. <laughs> I got the answers, <laughs>
2: Um You know what, guys? You know what's really weird? Like, I didn't actually think of myself as an immigrant until third year of uni. (laughs) (laughs) So I was in a class. It was like, um, well, intersectionality, why gender isn't the final answer. And our first task on, like, the first lesson was the professor. She was like, okay, like, what are the different intersections that you perceive yourself to be at and, like, and how... Mm -hmm like basically how do you perceive yourself in in with intersectionality as a framework i really sat there and deep that i was an immigrant and it's so (laughs) wild Mm. because like that's such a huge part of my identity now and like Mm. my Mm. kind of like yeah i suppose like the way that i conceptualize my identity and i just didn't think about it for the longest time or didn't want to identify out of Mm. me for a really long time and I think it does go back Mm. to like school and stuff like you just want to assimilate so badly yeah and like not Mm. be seen as different like to not like wear like the things that you would feel comfortable in because it would be weird or Mm -hmm. like it'll be Mm. seen as weird Mm -hmm. um Let's maybe give a definition of intersectionality and why it's important and then wrap up from there. I
1: guess, like Dom's mentioned a framework, so I mean, first of all, intersectionality, it is theoretical, um, but it does play out in personal experiences, so I guess... For me, the way I look at it is like an understanding of how people's social and political identities, so like race, gender, class, sexuality, uh, ability, um, might combine to create unique experiences for them in relation to like discrimination or privilege. So we have fo- we spoken about the fact that like, we're not just women, we're black women. And that could be more complicated by the fact that I'm a non-binary Black woman, um, that I am like a poor non-binary Black woman. Mm. Um, and that frames the nuances and the different discriminations I face, the different like lack of access to resource I face, mm. um, and how privileged I am deemed in society. So I think, oh, um, when we speak about fame and stuff, it doesn't, uphold any intersectionality because it just doesn't highlight the nuances in specific parts of identity social political identities mm. um and then how that makes the experience of a black person or an asian person or an asian woman or a black woman asian man asian black woman, mm. so much more complicated and like abba said so much more specific in the certain needs that are required by those people mm. um and big up kimberly crenshaw because
3: she, yeah, she was came doing up most... with that and
1: I just don't understand like how you can be so can you imagine coming up with something like that just chilling and just thinking the <laughs> world mad doesn't
2: smart. she's mad smart like um she okay Kimberly Crenshaw at the time where she coined the the term intersectionality which was like nearly 30 years ago now um she was a lawyer and she was working on a case where this woman was being discriminated not only because she was black, but because she was a woman. It was based on her hair, and I feel like we could go on and talk about hair for like th- three. Ooh, we'll three save that years. One for another episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's essentially where it came from because there was not language to describe how that black woman was being discriminated against not only because she was black but also because she was a woman but yeah I suppose we can talk about hair in in a different episode and like our relationship with hair and stuff and why Definitely. it's important don't, don't touch my
1: as Solange <laughs> would say so
2: long. oh my god we're gonna get blocked
1: <laughs> that's um, what we're
2: gonna get demonetized for those notes no, we're gonna get a shadow banned because we're talking about <laughs> blackness, guys. Let's not get it twisted. I feel like we've not really spent that long on intersectionality. Maybe we should talk about it in more depth when we talk about the hair episode. For sure, we potentially. should. Potentially. Yeah, that would be a good that would be good. good. There's a lot, there's a lot to unpack. Yeah. Um, obviously we will include the resource links as per usual. Um but yeah, just don't call me BAME. <laughs> Please
1: don't call me BAME. Please don't use terms such as people or colour. And like, if you're writing about people from specific communities or who relate to specific identities, please try and engage with those individuals and find out for yourself, really. I think the more we do that and the more that happens in published pieces of work and in like journalism mm-hmm. and in media, we'll find more helpful terms because, like, even in my workplace, funding so much funding is put under BAME category. So how are you supposed to change language when it relates to something that's like, do you know what I mean? That is around mm-hmm. allocating money and stuff like that. It's really difficult. Um, so I think the more people who make efforts, the better language for identity that will that will come out.
0: Thank you for listening. We hope that um, you got to know us a little As bit well, better. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely hope you got to know us a little bit better. Um who knows maybe there'll be future episodes where we talk more about ourselves
2: more more about ourselves more um, t- yeah a a remix. remix but um
0: yeah like follow share <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>